0: Take your Bibles and let's go to the 16th chapter of Revelation. With Revelation 15, we began again looking at the events chronologically. However, it will be brief. Chapter 15 and 16 will conclude the actual chronological events that, okay, this is happening, then this happens, then this happens. Then we'll go to chapter 17 and there'll be events taking place, but it won't be like, okay, now this is happening, now next this is happening. So this is what we have here, uh, chronological uh, events uh, prior to the second coming of Christ. In chapter 6, we go back to 6, we, we were introduced to seven seals that were broken. The seventh seal we found in seven trumpets in chapter 8 and 11, And the seventh trumpet we find seven vials, or bowls, which are found in chapter 15 and chapter 16. So it's like you have these seven things, and you unpack them, but when you get to the seventh, it has seven more. And that's what we have here with these seven bowls, these seven vials. And I heard a great voice Out of the temple saying to the seven angels, go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. So in point number one, we see the command to go pour out the seven vials or it can be called bowls. It says a great voice. John heard a great voice, a voice that demanded the attention of all who hear it. We are not told that this is exactly the voice of God, but it seems to be pretty much obvious that it is. But it's in a voice that when one hears it, one takes note of it. Speaking to the seven angels, saying, go your ways or depart on the assigned journey. Each angel has an assignment. And they are commissioned at this point to go. And that A Simon is to pour out the the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. Or the idea of pouring out is to empty the contents in rapid succession. So this 16th chapter is going to give us seven vials, one right after the other. And they come quickly. The time frame, we're not told, did it last a year, did it last six months, did it last a day? But they do happen in rapid succession. And these vials are filled with the wrath of God. The word wrath is the display of which has never been seen on the earth before. And this action is a climax of God's divine dealing with the blasphemous people on the earth. This is it. This is God saying, okay, I'm going to pour out my wrath. And he does so. He does so very quickly. Then we come to verse 2, and the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth, and there fell a nosome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast, and upon them which worshipped his image. So we see the first one is poured out on those who bear the mark of the beast and have worshipped the beast. The word nosome is the idea of evil, the effect of it being extremely bad. It's not that God is evil in what he does, but this is a very, very bad thing that takes place upon these people. These nosome and grievous, they're grievous, they're malignant, it spreads rapidly. It hits them and then it begins to spread over their body. It's a boil, it's a sore, a boil or an ulcer on the skin that brings widespread physical suffering. I don't know if you've ever had a boil or not, but it is not a very pleasant experience. It's extremely painful. I cannot imagine what it would be like to have one here, start here, and before I know it, I have them breaking out over my entire body. It would just be horrible, horrendous. The second one is found in verse 3. And the second angel poured out his vial upon the sea, and it became as, it, as the blood of a dead man. And every living soul in the sea died. So this second one is similar to the plague on the Nile River in Exodus 7. Not the same, but similar. It is poured out on the sea, resulting in the death of all created living beings in that body of water. This is a salt sea vial could be and probably is the Mediterranean Sea around the Holy Land. And it became as the blood of a dead man, meaning it was dark red due to the lack of life-giving oxygen. When this vial is poured out on this water, the oxygen will be sucked right out of the water and everything living in the water will die. And that water will turn blood red. The third we see is in verse 4 through 7. And the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and fountains of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the water say, Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and wast and shall be, because Thou hast judged thus, for they have shed the blood of the saints and prophets, and Thou hast given them blood to drink, for they are righteous worthy. And I heard another out of the altar saying, even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are thy judgments. So we have this bowl poured out on the salt water and everything in it dies. And then the third one is poured out on the rivers and the fountains of water, the fresh water supplies. And the effect is the same of that of the second vial in that the water turns to blood. We don't see here, however, in these verses, that those things living in the water die. But we do see that the water is turned to blood, and a statement is made concerning that relating to the people who drink that water. But we see something interesting in this third one. There is a worship of God in the midst of this judgment on the earth. By the angel who poured out the vial. And I heard the angel of the water saying, Thou art righteous, O Lord. You are right. Your, His holiness is declared. Thou art right, which art and wast and shall be. His eternality is declared. And His righteous judgment is praised. Another angel from out of the altar in verse 7 says, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are thy judgments. So even though this is a horrific time on the earth for those that are ungodly, those who understand righteousness and can compare the difference are worshiping God for his judging the ungodly. As we live in our time today, it's easy for us to do the same. We hear of the ungodly being judged, or at least it looks like they're being judged by God, and we say, great, they had it coming. And maybe they did. But we're living in the age of grace when we ought to be praying for the souls of those people. Yes, they have earned the wrath of God but so did we. They deserve the judgment of God, but so did we. They need the mercy and the grace of God, and so did we. We are the recipients of that mercy and grace, and we should pray to the end that the wicked of the earth today would turn to Jesus, that they would repent of their sin and turn to Christ we should not be rejoicing in their judgment. If judgment comes, then we can say, you know, I hate to see that, but they earned it. But we should not be rejoicing in that. But here there's rejoicing because of the judgment of God on the ungodly. The time is different. The grace of God and the mercy of God has passed. These people receiving this judgment have had ample opportunities, but they have chosen to reject the grace of God. And so now those who understand what's happening see fit to worship God for what he's doing. We see in verse 8 and 9, the fourth vial is poured out on the sun. And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun and the power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed the name of God, which hath power over these plagues. And they repented not to give him glory. There's a difference here. There's a difference. These people who are receiving the wrath and the judgment of God because of the hardness of their heart causes them to hate God even more. And people get that way. And when they arrive at that point, there's no turning it around. There's no opportunity for them to turn and trust Christ. When they reach this place, they've become what we call an apostate. An apostate is someone who has been given the truth and they have chosen to totally reject the truth and embrace the lie as truth. That's what an apostate is. When someone comes to that state in their mind and they totally embrace the lie and totally reject the truth, and they're embracing of that lie, they are embracing it as it was their truth, they've gone beyond the point of being able to be saved. They have become an apostate. It's tragic. But there are people like that today, in our world today, who have turned from the truth. And so we see the sun's heat seems to become more intense to the point of causing fire and heat to break out upon the people. And those burned or scorched by the heat and the fire are those whose wickedness has driven them to the place of being unwilling to repent. They have no desire, they have no plan. If anything, it's going to cause them to hate God and blame God even more. The fifth vial, or bowl, comes in verse 10 and 11. And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues for pain, and blasphemed the God of heaven, because of their pains and their sores, and repented not of their deeds." Again, as I said earlier, this time frame is a time when these people receiving the wrath and God's judgment, they've already gone past the point of repenting. There's no hope. That's why we see this worshiping of God in heaven for the deed that he's doing upon the wicked. And we see this told to us here. The fifth bowl is directed upon the seat or the throne of the beast. It's a direct attack by God upon the central earthly headquarters of the devil. I mean, God goes for the jugular here. The kingdom of the evil one is filled with darkness created by the wrath of God. A little information about the word darkness It's used 147 times in scripture and in most cases represents spiritual blindness, evil, or the unseen spiritual kingdom of the devil in most cases. The darkness which God produces here is different from that which represents the spiritual kingdom of the devil. What happens when God pours out this vial upon the seat of the beast and the kingdom becomes full of darkness, all visible light goes away. Absolute darkness. When I was in boot camp, we had to go through that process of being placed into a room. It was a huge room because there was a lot of us in there. Of absolute darkness. Darkness. I know how they created it. But they did, and we had to find our way out of that room. Now you're talking about something that will impact you mentally. It, it first of all it gets real scary. Now you know you're in a room with a whole bunch of guys, but when they create this absolute darkness, you lose all sense of direction, all sense of. Figuring where you are and where you're going to go and how you're going to get there, and panic begins to set in. The first thing you ask yourself is, What if I can't find my way out? Because they tell you, We're not coming in to get you. You're going to have to come out on your own. Well, to God be the glory. Obviously, I made my way out. But the point is, this is what's going to transpire. There's going to be no light, the light is going to go away. Now, The vial has just occurred where the brightness of the sun is so brilliant that it scorches people and burns them. And then suddenly you go from this brilliance of light to absolute dark. That would definitely have an impact on one's emotions, on one's nerves. And we see when this happens, it creates great pain. Now, I don't, I can't explain that. How this darkness creates pain, but the pain is so intense, and it could be that they're also dealing with the scorching they just received. But the pain is so intense that they literally chew on their tongues because of the pain they're going through. Now, I know all of us have bitten our tongue from one time or another, and that hurts. One of the first things they do when someone has certain types of medical emergencies take place, they'll put something in their mouth to protect them from chewing their tongues. I can't imagine the amount of pain and suffering that these people are going through, having experienced this brilliant light and now this absolute darkness, and and the pain that goes with all of that to the point where you would actually be chewing on your tongue. But what do they do? They blaspheme God because of their pain and their sores and their burns probably. And they do not repent of the deeds. The sixth vial in verse 12 through 16, and the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. Now, this vial is directed on the Euphrates River. It's the largest river in Western Asia, and it flows for 1,780 miles and empties into the Persian Gulf. So we're not talking a little creek bed, we're talking a huge river it is going to be dried up pouring out this vial this bowl of judgment God is going to create a way for warfare to take place this doesn't make a lot of sense to me but I'm not God but God is actually creating an opportunity for what will take place so the riverbed is dried up, making a way for the kings of the east, and that's as the sun, sun rises, to cross over to create war against God. Verse 12, And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water there was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Remember, that's the the satanic trinity. We're told these frog looking creatures are coming out of the mouth, and then we're told what they are. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world together them to battle of that great day of God Almighty. So this is one last big attack on God, one last big opportunity for Satan to overthrow God. We're told that they are the kings of the East, and I've listed some of these here for you. Iraq, Iran, Syria, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Russia, and China. These are kings of the East. Now, what of these will be there? I don't know. But as we see events unfolding in the world today, we can see how a lot of this is lining up. And if you're not aware of it, Israel is a hated country by the world. And unfortunately, one of the countries that stood behind them for many, many years is tottering on the brink of turning their back on them. And that's America. And one of the things that's been a help to us as America is our loyalty to Israel. But with the present leadership that we have, he is not a friend of Israel. And you need to understand that. He is not. He is a friend of these other countries that I have listed for you here. Many of them. And So we can see how all of this could play out. And so this is gotten together, and then John sees another event connected with this sixth vial. Three demonic spirits come out of the mouths of the satanic trinity. These demonic spirits influence the kings of the east, as well as the leaders of the world, causing them together to war in the place called Armageddon. Now this battle will be the final battle between Christ and Satan, But it does not take place until chapter 19. We see they are gathered together to battle against the great day of God Almighty. And behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and see his shame. And he gathered them together into the place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. That is the sixth vile yet it is not fully fulfilled. In chapter 16, verse 17 to 21, we have the seventh vial. And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air. And there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, it is done. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings. And there was a great earthquake, such as was not since men were upon the earth. So mighty an earthquake and so great. And the great city was divided into three parts. Cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon came in remembrance before God. Given to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And every island fled away. And the mountains were not found. And there fell upon men great hell upon the earth. Even every stone about the weight of a talent. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hell, for the plague thereof was exceedingly great. And we see this plague impacts two different things, the heavens and the earth. In the heavens, we see thundering and lightning in verse 18. In verse 21, we see hailstones that weigh about a 100 pounds falling on the earth. Now, that would definitely increase the roofing business, wouldn't it? On the earth, we see massive earthquakes. It says, as like has never happened on the earth before. Jerusalem is the city that's divided into three parts by the earthquakes. Other cities of the world crumble. The topography of the earth is changed. Islands disappear and mountains are leveled. Then we see this thought concerning great Babylon or we would call it spiritual Babylon, is mentioned as a special object of God's wrath in verse 19. And there came in remembrance before God, great Babylon, to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Get over into chapter 17, we'll see a lot of things taking place, but we are looking at what's happening in 16 right now. And in spite of all this judgment, the unsaved turn farther away from God. So what do we have here? We have God's final unleashing of his continuous judgment on mankind as a whole on the earth. Those on the earth receiving this judgment from God are the unsaved. Obviously, by the actions that they have, they know about God. And they have had opportunity to accept God and accept His Son. But by their actions, it makes it very clear that they have totally rejected God and nothing is going to stop that. The wrath of God is supposed to bring us to repentance. But it's not. It's bringing them to a harder heart. So what we can see here is those who receive These judgments are not going to be saved, period. There is no hope. I I can't imagine living in a world like that. And thank God I won't have to. Nor will you if you know the Lord is your Savior. We have been delivered from that. We have been shown the light of the truth of the gospel and we have accepted it. And even though these horrific events are going to happen we're not going to ever, ever know the impact of them. To God be all the glory. What a friend we have in Jesus and how blessed we are to know him and a free pardon of sin. Lord, this 16th chapter, it's mind-boggling in the first place. It's scary to think about these events that are going to transpire. It's unimaginable. Hailstones falling on the earth and on people that weigh 100 pounds. Darkness being so intense that it creates great pain coupled with what these people have already experienced to the point that they gnaw on their tongues. They literally chew on their tongues because of the excruciating pain that they're experiencing. And instead of falling on their faces and asking for the mercy of God, they shake their fist in your face and blaspheme you and curse you and blame you and grow to hate you even more. I thank you, Lord God, for delivering me from that kind of a lifestyle and that ultimate destiny. I pray for the lost of the world today, Lord. You know how many there are. You know each one. I ask you to convict their heart of their sin. Give them the gift of repentance and bring them to a saving knowledge of Christ else, Lord, many of them, should Jesus return soon, could experience this great wrath. And we don't want that, Lord. We would rather see people in heaven than burning in the lake of fire. But we know, God, from what your word teaches, those who trust Jesus as Savior is a small number compared to all of the unsaved. And we know that broad is the road that leads to destruction and many... Go that path. And narrow is the gate that leads to life everlasting, and few, only a few, find it. I thank you, Lord God, that we are part of that few. And I pray that many, many more will turn to Jesus before it's eternally too late. Keep us through this week. As we have opportunity, may we see people as eternal souls going to heaven or going to hell. And may we have opportunities to share Jesus with them. And if it be your will, may we have the privilege of leading somebody to Christ. So help us, Lord. We're living in a hard day, yet harder days spiritually are coming. So God, we commit ourselves to you and we commit these people to you. Guide and direct our lives. May we glorify you in what we say and do.